We all knew this day would eventually come. And despite having two weeks to digest the fact, it's still, still difficult to recognise the notion that Kyle Lowry is no longer a Toronto Raptor. He's off to the Miami Heat in exchange for Goran Dragic and Precious Uchua. But don't worry, we're going to give him a magical send-off to reflect his glittering career in the Six. Welcome to a special off-season episode of Balling in the Six. Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen, to the life and times of Kyle Lowry. This has been a recurring series for us over the past two years, uh, focusing on both the lives and NBA careers of uh, various Raptors players in the organisation. But we hope this episode will be the most potent one to date, as of course it is examining the Raptors legend, Mr. Lowry himself. His story mirrors so many of those that we've discussed previously on this podcast. He grew up in northern Philadelphia, which is something that some fans may be aware of, given that he was involved in those 76ers trade rumours and he talked about wanting to uh, play you know, in his home city for the remaining few years of his career and teaming up with Jimmy Butler. But he didn't come from West Philadelphia, you know, he wasn't born and raised in the bougie part of town. He came from North Philadelphia. And today, just looking at the demographics of the area, it has a population close to 60,000. And the poverty rate in the area is at 45%, which is extraordinary, has an unemployment rate of 22%. And Uh, 40% of people in the area aren't even high school graduates. There's also a very uh, well-renowned area uh, that is located fairly close by uh, to Lahai, which is the area or the street that Lowry came from, known as Philadelphia Badlands. And these Badlands were known and are still known for drug and criminal activity. So, How did Larry manage to get out of this situation, make it to the NBA? Frankly, it was purely due to discipline from his household. He had a mother who worked two jobs, a grandmother who worked a single job and an older brother who was five years older than him, who ensured that he didn't spend a minute on the street. Of course, he had to, you know, leave his house, but... Uh, These guys (laughs) made sure that all he did was play basketball in the backyard and uh, whenever it became dark, he would immediately go back inside. He had an absentee father who lived 10 minutes away, but who uh, really didn't uh, support and raise his child as a father should. And these are the factors that shaped Carl Lowry and, um, you know, gave him that dogged, Uh, workhorse mentality, which he's so renowned for today. Now, Cal Lowry played for the Cardinal Doughty High School basketball team, and they went 28-0 in the two seasons that he was there, and Cal Lowry was actually ranked in the ESPN Top 100 uh, during his time there. I believe he was even in the Top 30. So it seems as if he had an extremely successful high school career, 
but I'll just give you two stories which will uh, potentially shed some more light on his time there. This was the place that he first learned how to take a charge. But even then, when his coach was giving the drill to his players, Cal Lowry was stubborn and didn't really see the point in doing it. But really, it was an, an essential move in um, the Philadelphia Catholic League, a league which was renowned for, not for its athleticism and size, but more so for its toughness. But this highlights that even at this stage, Carl uh, potentially had issues with so-called coachability, uh, rumours of which would plague him later on in his career. The second story is the fact that every single day he had to take a bus, sorry, he had to walk to a bus stop, then take a bus to a subway, and then using that subway make his way to school. In fact, this was such a difficult journey, especially in the winter months, that one of the coaches with whom Carl ended up having a very close bond with, uh, Dave Ditzel, actually went out of his way on uh, his return journey back to his own home. He would take 20 minutes out of his journey just to drop Carl off at his house due to how difficult the journey back was. Now, when it comes to his college career, again, it would be easy to say he ended up being drafted in the first round as the 24th pick and only after his second year in college. He didn't stay all four years. But again, even this would simplify matters because he, although he was so highly touted going into uh, his college career, every opportunity he seemed, that seemed to present itself closed at the last second as another recruit would take the place uh, on the team that Carl was looking to join. Lowry wanted to leave Pennsylvania, but really ended up having to go to Villanova as, um, like I said, his options kept on decreasing. And even when once he joined Villanova, he had an ACL tear very early on. But despite this, and despite the fact that the team had a lot of uh, guards. Um, one prominent example of this is Randy Foy, who actually ended up being drafted um, number seven overall in the same draft class as Carl Lowry. Despite the injury, despite the competition, he still ended up, uh, even during his first year, he ended up being uh, named to the all-rookie team. And uh, by his second year, he was one of the uh, main players on the team and a big reason as to why they make the Elite Eight. And hence, that's why he was drafted 24 overall in 2006. With the 24th pick in the 2006 NBA draft, the Memphis Grizzlies select Kyle Lowry of Villanova University. Now, when it comes to his NBA career, it may even be more disjointed than his early life, as hard as that is to believe. After being drafted by Memphis, he showed a lot of promise in his first 10 games as a rookie. Uh, he was even shooting 37% from three, 90% from the free throw line, showing those uh, flashes of playmaking. But he ended up injuring his wrist and he was out for the whole season. Now, what did Memphis do? Did they say to themselves, this is a player who showed a lot of potential and he is a piece we're looking to build around from this point onwards? No, they ended up drafting Mike Conley as the number four pick in the 2007 draft in this immediate season that followed. And you know what? Who can blame them? Mike Conley turned out to be an absolute stud for that franchise. However, 
This did mean that Lowry was relegated to coming off the bench. And he did play uh, over 20 minutes a game in the following two seasons. But he didn't you know, have that starting role that he so wished to have. And um, during this time period, uh, from 2006 to 2009, they actually had four coaches. Fratello, to Barone, to Yavaroni, to Johnny Davis, to Lionel Hollins. Sorry, they had five coaches in this span. And uh, Lionel Hollins was the one who put the nail in the coffin. And indeed, he was quoted as saying also that um, because he was an assistant as well during this period. And he talked about how Carl was difficult to coach. Again, which is a tagline which stayed with him as he went to the Houston Rockets. And Rick Edelman was a coach there who saw his potential. In his first season, Lowry came off the bench as they had Aaron Brooks, who was at that time, he was actually in that season, scored 20 points a game of very good efficiency. So he seemed to be the go-to guy. But his play dropped off. And in the 2010 to 2011 season, Lowry was a starter. Um, and this is when he really started to show his potential. In the following season, uh, in 2011-2012, in fact, he was playing almost at an all-star level until, guess what, he got injured again and Dragic came in and uh, did a pretty good job, which uh, led to Houston feeling comfortable enough to trade Larry away to Toronto for a first-round pick and for a player whose name I don't remember. He was ign- insignificant. And when it comes to Toronto... Even Toronto didn't want Lowry as a starter. They were looking to acquire Steve Nash and to have Lowry as his backup and for Lowry then to take over the primary uh, playmaking duties once Nash retired. That didn't work out for Toronto. Uh, They didn't manage to acquire Nash, who went to the Lakers. But even then, the Raptors had Jose Halderon. And despite how good a free-throw shooter he is, um, he's not the same caliber of players Larry yet Toronto felt he was the same perhaps I am being slightly harsh on Calderon as he was an efficient shooter especially from the two-point range and he did actually have one of the best assists to turnover ratios in the league during this period so he was very much an above average offensive talent which kind of Uh, Ask the question why, you know, did the Raptors even trade for Lowry in the first place if that was the case? But maybe they did see in Lowry what he would eventually become because one of his big strengths, of course, as we know, is that despite his frame, Lowry is very much a tenacious defender. He's a pest on that end of the floor. And it's something that Calderon really struggled with, uh, especially given his uh, diminutive frame, not in terms of height, but in terms of his build. I think that should wrap things up nicely. Uh, Long story short, Lowry was overlooked pretty much at every basketball destination he had uh, throughout his career, and he had to fight for his place in the team. This man is an inspiration for Toronto basketball fans and also for basketball fans in general. It's important to note the context in which Kyle Lowry actually joined the Toronto Raptors franchise. It was a franchise without direction, one of those 11th, 12th place teams, much like we see the Magic or the Hornets today. The previous season, they'd just gone 23 and 43. And so the front office pulled off the trade. Kyle Lowry was traded for a first round pick that later turned out to be Stephen Adams and Gary Forbes, who uh, hardly played and is no longer in 
the NBA. Didn't have a great season. 2012 to 2013 season was distinctly average. They improved by one place to 10th, a 34 and 48 record. But it was interesting to see Kyle Lowry's contribution in that aspect. His assists increased. He started 52 games unexpectedly, some would say. His three-point percentage continued to hover around that 36-37%, which is a significant increase to earlier in his career when he struggled to even break the 250 mark in some seasons. So there were some signs there. And I think that was really picked up when the Raptors started to go for those playoff spots in the next season. Of course, on the roster at the time was a young DeMar DeRozan, a young Jonas Valanciunas, Andrea Bagnani, that notorious number one pick in 2006, who didn't turn out to be all that good. Terence Ross, Rudy Gay, of course, also also on the roster at the time. But it was that trade made on December 9th, 2013. Rudy Gay, Quincy Acey and Aaron Gray uh, for John Salmons, Grevis Vasquez, uh, Patrick Patterson and Chuck Hayes that really launched the Raptors into contention and started to define them as the playoff team that we saw at least until last season. That roster under Dwayne Casey came first, top of the Atlantic division. And Larry contributed as well. His, his numbers went up. He started 79 of those 82 games. His three-point percentage increased again to 38%. He was extremely effective from the free throw line, almost 82%. And overall, his numbers were great. I mean, his assists, of course, hit an all-time record, 586 assists. A number he would not beat till today. That that was his peak season in terms of playmaking. So you could see the impact they would have. And also steals. 121 steals that season would only be beaten a couple of seasons later. So the Toronto Raptors had improved significantly. However, in the first round of the playoffs, they did take them to seven. But going up against a Brooklyn Nets team with... Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett and Jason Terry was never going to end all that well. Lowry's contribution will be remembered in that series for this moment. Vasquez looking, still looking. Gets it to Lowry at five seconds. Lowry, Williams a tight defense. Here is Lowry on the deck through two. Lowry put it up. It's blocked by Pierce and the Nets win the series. And as the Raptors ascended going into the 2014-15 season, Lowry did too. This, perhaps, was his breakout season in Toronto. He became the team's all-time leader for triple-doubles in November. He was then named the Eastern Conference Player of the Month in December. He became, remarkably, he was only the second ever Raptor at that time, after Chris Bosh, to actually get the award. Um... And so the Raptors were balling, the Raptors were steamrolling, and his contribution was finally recognised. You know, eight years, nine years into his NBA career, he was finally recognised for the first time as an all-star. A streak that would continue for years to come. However, much like the previous season, it was also the time where the Raptors started to be known as the playoff choke team, and... Lowry in particular as the playoff choker, someone who could pick up, put up big numbers in the regular season and just lose that edge come May time. They got swept by the Washington Wizards 
a really remarkable surprise, especially after the Raptors once again broke their franchise record for regular season wins, going 49 and 33. Uh, it was at this moment, actually, that was recently reported that Lowry called for Dwayne Casey to be sacked at this stage. Maybe that would have changed the whole trajectory of the Raptors to this day. Maybe they would have got a championship earlier, two championships. Maybe they wouldn't have got a championship at all, of course, which is an interesting thing to note. But regardless, there was some tension now going into the Raptors, um, and especially with Kyle Lowry. He ended up losing a lot of weight in the 2015-16 offseason. Uh, he basically said, he told reporters at the time that he wanted to be ready for 82 games and a long playoff run. And he continued his regular season form. Again, named a starter for the All-Star team. And also, interestingly at this time, the three-point contest. Lowry's three-point percentage was really, really improving year on year. He shot almost 39% in the 2015-16 season. And the Raptors in general were really looked as a very, very different side. There wasn't much change uh, in terms of the roster at this time, but they did bring in more hardened players. You know, the likes of Demare Carroll, Bismack Biombo, uh, even leg absolute legend Louis Scola there, of course, for like men more mentoring than playing purposes. James Johnson as well. So there's a lot of steel to that side. And then you've got very exciting players like Norman Powell at this time in his rookie season. Terence Ross, of course. And that team would go on, and Nairo would play a big part in it. That team would go on to take the LeBron James-led Cleveland Cavaliers to six games. In game four of that series, Lowry scored 35 points. Absolutely phenomenal. And that was after uh, perhaps one of the most exciting um, Indiana series, uh, playoff series, of course, against um, the Miami Heat, scoring 35 points again in game seven of that series. It was it was it was astounding. It was really, really long series, of course, seven games against Indiana, seven games against the Heat, where, of course, in game one, he shot that famous, famous half court three pointer to take it to overtime. Well, well deserved recognition for Lowry at this time. But then came a couple of humdrum years for the Raptors. For between 2016 to 2018, they were always, always doing the business in the regular season. Lowry, once again, another couple of all-star appearances. But they just could not get over that final hurdle in the playoffs. And more specifically, LeBron James. Swept twice in two years by the Cleveland Cavaliers. Of course, if you count the defeat in six, beaten three years in a row, something needed to change. We interrupt this episode to give a shout out to Franchise Sports. Like us, they're a UK-based outlet that creates content about all the American sports, whether it be basketball, baseball, or much, much more. Check them out at franchisesports.co.uk. Now, Kyle Lowry's friendship with DeMar DeRozan was well-known and is still well-known. It was a bond that played itself out extremely well in regular season. You know, that backcourt was fearsome for any side. They used to combine 60, 70 points, 15 assists, 10 rebounds, 
really, really good backcourt. But for some reason, their skill set, whether it's the combination or whether it was DeMar himself, just didn't translate into the playoff steal that was required to, of course, make the conference finals and beyond. And so it was one of the biggest decisions, and we've we've talked at length about this before, that DeMar for Kawhi trade. But ignoring what it did to the Raptors, it was so important for Kyle Lowry because, of course, at this stage, going into his early 30s, he was starting to think about when he's going to win a ring. He would have been in that sort of category along with the likes of Chris Paul for these excellent veteran players just to have never won a championship before. So they made the move and it was very, very important for Lowry himself. And he definitely stepped up to the plate along with Kawhi Leonard. We all know what happened in the regular season. Very solid, managed to rest both Kawhi and Lowry and keep them ready, keep them hungry for 24 full games in the playoffs. And if you look at Lowry's stats, you can tell why the addition of both Danny Green and Kawhi helped him a lot. He fired 145 threes during that series, making 52 of them, both of them records for him. I mean, if you look at the the previous season, I mean, the previous time he came close was 2015-2016 when he shot 138 threes. But what was interesting, of course, was the rebounds. 159 rebounds he took during the series. Of course, a record in itself. But it's not the stats we're looking at. It's what he did in that series. Everyone in that playoff series will talk about Kawhi, the shot, the way he managed to drag the Raptors through, not only against Philly, but also turn the game around against the Bucks, And of course, managed to put up 30 plus, etc. And amazing stats in that finals. But it was that moment for Kyle Lowry in game one of the finals, as soon as he had accomplished his dream. We all remember those scenes after the game six win against the Milwaukee Bucks. He looked like the happiest guy on earth, but Kyle Lowry had a mission. And it's fair to say, game one went pretty well for him. His series didn't start too well on paper against the Warriors, just seven points to go with six rebounds and nine assists. Sort of brought back memories of the likes of Curry and Clay managing to shut him down. Brought back that choker vibe that he was giving off during probably the last five or six seasons. However, bounced back. 13 points, 23 points to go with nine assists in game three. Uh, Of course, very important win that against the Warriors. And then he had his chance in game five. Raptors just one point down. Kawhi had the ball. He flipped it to Van Vliet. And in the end, it was with Lowry in the corner with just a couple of seconds to go. This was his chance, of course, to banish all the playoff demons, to get rid of that tag he's been with for years and years. Just make that open three. But unfortunately, as you'll hear, Draymond Green had something to say about that. Leonard, back up Van Fleet. Van Fleet kicks it out Lowry. Lowry for the win. Won't go. And there'll be a game six in Oakland. Fear not, half ferocious champion is not one to take things lying down. He would come out the next game and absolutely scorch the Warriors in what would be the last game at the Oracle. 
scoring the first 11 points. It mirrored Durant's impact in Game 5 when he did the same. Kyle Lowry finished off with a bang and no one deserved that champion championship more than him. Now, if he left the Raptors here, he could have left with a long and distinguished career. But no, even though Kawhi left, even though Danny Green left, he wanted to run it back. 2019-20 season was obviously extremely difficult for many players in a lot of ways, with the pandemic interrupting the Raptors as soon as they had a wonderful run. The playoffs came at a slightly weird time. So after swatting aside the Brooklyn Nets in the first round of the playoffs, I mean, imagine saying that last couple of years, they went into a very hotly contested, hotly anticipated series against the Boston Celtics. People have wanted to see this for years and years. And of course, Brad Stevens' well-drilled team eventually came out on top, but it wasn't for one of the most marvellous game six performances in history. Kyle Lowry, 33 points, eight rebounds, six assists, and a couple of steals. Some remarkable shots, including a fadeaway dagger that eventually shut down the game and took it to game seven. It's fair to say that he was pretty much fighting on his own throughout this series. The Raptors outclassed throughout the seven games. Uh, he was, of course, the guy who delivered a wonderful cross-court pass to OG for that Game 3 winner. So, knocked out in seven, but I think this series was very different to the ones before, especially even the one where they took the Cavs to six. This was Lowry really gritting it out. He'd won his ring. There was really nothing to lose at this point, nothing to prove at this point, and he delivered. And of course... It was disappointing that he almost went into an underwhelming final season. At the age of 34 with Toronto, no fans allowed. They weren't even allowed to play in Toronto. The Raptors, of course, had a good start to the season. Good, good start. But it was getting COVID. It was that all-star break we've talked about, which completely threw it off the rails. Raptors, of course, eventually finishing in, well, what seems like a remarkable 12th place in the Eastern Conference. And I think... Lowry deserves to go and chase that ring instead of staying for the rebuild. There's no point, of course. And his trade, his sign and trade, he stayed extra. He didn't play too much after the trade deadline. and he, But he did give us a couple of magic moments, such as that 39-point game against the Lakers, of course. But he stayed, and his sign and trade will get Goran Dragic and Precious Achua to the Raptors, of course, if you flip Dragic, perhaps for Dwight Powell in a pick, it's a very good um, haul for someone who could have just walked as a free agent. So you got to give kudos, loyal to the end. Kyle Lowry, well done on a phenomenal, phenomenal career in Toronto. Six times All-Star, All-NBA third team in 2016. NBA champion, of course, in 2019. And uh, in the middle of all that, a gold medal in Rio. So, Kyle Lowry, enjoy. I mean, I can't say I'll be rooting for the Heat at this point, but if anyone deserves a second one, it's Mr. Lowry himself. And he's going to have to do it for the team he did this against all those years ago. Raptors need a three here to tie it and send it into overtime. Do they give the foul? I would. Lowry scoops it up. Lowry... Let's it fly!